Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this week's message on the Antioch Indie Podcast. We hope you can step away from this message being encouraged and blessed and to move into your week in the mighty name of Jesus. Have a great day. Go ahead and uh, take out your Bibles and your notes as we get started this morning. We are going to have a word from God. Anybody excited for that? Go ahead and take out your notes, Bibles. Anybody, anybody got notes in a Bible this morning? That's where we're, we're a note-taking church around here. I believe God's not done with you this morning, even though we've already done so much. I'm going to give you the, uh, the title for this morning's message right off the bat, so you've got to have your notes out quick. Pen, note, yeah, there's no time. We ain't got no time to waste today. I'm going to preach a message to you this morning that if you have been around our church for any length of time, or if you came to our church this morning... This will not be news to you. Uh, This might sound a little bit familiar. Ring a bell this morning. The title of this morning's message is Preach the Gospel of the Kingdom and Make Others Great. You might have seen it on the wall as you came in this morning. Preach the Gospel of the Kingdom and Make Others Great. Big week for me. I got glasses. So my first time preaching and then we'll see if it works. And so far I'm reading better. That's good. That's good. Preach the Gospel of the Kingdom and Make Others Great. Last week, we finished up a series that we've been doing for a little while called The Church God Builds, talking about uh, going through the book of Acts and not looking at that as, as stories of old, the good old days, but as a blueprint for who God has called us to be and what he has called us to as followers of him and as a church together. And everything that we talked about over those first handful of weeks is, is just everything we want to be. That's who we want to be here in Indianapolis as a church, as people who follow Jesus. And as a local church here in Indy, that's who we want to be. But also as a local church, some of you know this, and some of you maybe have heard rumblings of this before, but as a local church here in Indy, we're also part of a global family, uh, kind of under this banner called Antioch. So we're, we're part of a bunch of churches that are, that are called Antioch. And uh, you probably saw uh, the, the sign above the church that said Antioch. We're not the only one, and we, we love that. We're part of a global family here. You might have seen the map as you walked in with stickers all over it, kind of representing uh, many of the places that we have Antioch family all around the world. And I didn't, I didn't realize this until uh, Friday, but last Monday was one year since we moved into this building. Was anybody here back then a year ago? Yeah, it was a fun day, fun times. So it's been one year since we've been in here, so I started thinking about the last 12 months, and it's been, it's been a fun 12 months around here, and I started to realize that uh, in the last 12 months, we've about tripled in size as a church. So if you realize how few of the people raised their hands who were here back then, uh, that's because pretty much everybody's new around here. So if you're here and you feel new, that's good. Everybody's new. <laughs> Like, pretty much 75% of our church has been here less than a year, so you're not, you're not on the outside. It's all right. Like, we've, we've talked about this before as a church, but as we grow in size, we want our, our culture to grow with us. We want our values to grow with us. We want the, the sense of family to grow with us. And the truth is that remaining family for us as a church, staying family, keeping what has been created over the last three years as our church has started, it, it doesn't depend on us being big or small. It doesn't depend on us growing fast or growing slow. It depends on us being unified and faithful to the vision that God has called us to live. That's the key. Not big or small, not fast or slow, just faithful. Just faithful to what God has called us to. Just faithful to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to make others great. That's why it's on the wall out there. That's the vision. That's what God has called us to as a church. 
So this morning's going to be a little bit of a different morning. I, I just think that God wants to fill us with vision and being us unified and realizing that, wow, 75% of our church has never heard us talk about really our vision or values as a church. So if you have been around for a while, this might sound redundant, but it's not. So get over it, you know. <laughs> and if we're going to have a singular vision, then we should talk about it a lot. Then it shouldn't change. It should sound really redundant. If it's not, that's probably a problem. <laughs> If it's changing all the time. So this morning's all about bringing us into the vision, not just of who we are as a local church, but I want to talk about who we are as a family and as a global family, kind of under this Antioch banner that we have. We are celebrating our third birthday as a church on uh, September 11th here in a couple weeks. And uh, we are going to have a, a, a birthday-themed worship night. Don't know what that means, but we're doing it. So it's a, it's a Wednesday night, and uh, you're all invited. You don't want to miss it. We're going to have a lot of fun. Um, but also, it's been a significant time for our global family, Antioch Waco. So the first Antioch church started in Waco, Texas. Last weekend, they just celebrated their 20th birthday. So a lot of birthdays around the Antioch family right now. So they just celebrated their 20th birthday, and uh, they put out a video kind of celebrating what the 20 years have looked like. And we are simultaneously already working on a birthday for our three years. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. Look at videos. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> we love videos. So there's going to be a video on our birthday night, so you don't want to miss it. It's going to be really fun. Uh, old school stories and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, so Waco celebrated their 20th birthday. And as I, I watched that celebration video, that's where I got involved with this family of churches in, in Antioch, Waco, when I was at school at Baylor University. That's where I really started following Jesus. And as I was watching the video as they celebrated 20 years, I just found myself so so envisioned, my, my vision was so renewed, not just for even our church, not just for our network of churches, but just for the glory of God on the earth and what God wants to do through his people. It, it, I was watching this video that was about this church that I don't even go to anymore, but I'm sort of a part of, and it had nothing to do with that. I was just like, yes, God, yes, I want that. I want that for me. I, I, my vision for the kingdom of God was so renewed. My, my vision was so renewed for what it means and what we get to be a part of as a part of just this, this global family. We're by no means like the thing, but we, we get to be part of the deal. And, and this Antioch thing that we're a part of, it's, it's not God's main thing, but it's part of God's main thing, the church. And I just thought, wow, it's such a gift to be a part of what God's doing in the earth. And, and of course, it, it filled me with so much vision for what it means to be a part of this church, this little local church in Indianapolis, Indiana, and believing, wow, God wants to do more than we could ever ask or imagine if we'll just learn to say yes to him. So what we're going to do this morning, it's a little bit different, we're going to watch their birthday video. How about that? So we're going to watch a long video. It's like 20 minutes long, so it's, it's a good chunk, uh, but you're going to be really encouraged and you're going to like it. Um, like, you're going to like it. No. I think you're going to be really encouraged. I think you're going to, you're going to enjoy it. And, and after the video, I'm going to share a few more thoughts with us of just what that means for us locally and who we are as a local church. Uh, but it's just going to be a fun thing. And, and, and we're going to watch somebody else's birthday video. And I, I know it's not our church that we're watching, but it is our family. And uh, it's kind of like watching your older brother who's like a few years farther down the road than you. You know, like it's not you, but it's still kind of like you. And it's cool and inspiring, you know. Um, and, and if you've been around uh, our church since the beginning, you'll probably have some nostalgic feelings as you realize some of the similarities of their early days and our early days and some fun things like that and the, some similarities of the funny stories they have and some of the stories that weren't funny when they happened, but they're funny now. 
And uh, over, over the course of the video, what, what also is going to be cool is you, you'll meet some of the, kind of the key people who lead kind of our family of churches. You'll meet the founders, Jimmy and Laura Seibert in the video, and plenty of other key leaders there in Waco and, and in our movement. And the reason that that's important is not because it's like, oh, wow, check these people out. There's, there's a place of honor to put a face to a name and realize that some of these people that you're going to see on this video, you've never met before and probably never will meet. They may never come to our church, but they have in so many ways laid the foundation for what we're all standing on this morning. And I wanted to encourage you, not like, wow, look at these people. It's looking to kind of like the way that you would look at, 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 at great parents who would say, I've laid my life down so my kids can go farther. That's, that's how they live their lives for us. And so we're looking and saying, wow, thank you, Lord, for the foundation that you've laid and that I get to stand on. Thank you for what other people have, have gone through the energy and effort and, and even times pain to, to lay down so that I can walk on it. So take out your notes and take notes during this video because it's not just entertaining. God's going to speak to you. God's going to stir something in your heart. It might not be something somebody says, but he's going to put a dream in your heart. He's going to put faith in your heart. He's going to put courage in your heart for what he wants to do in the earth. So uh, they... We have to watch it on YouTube, so the screen transition is going to be funky, hence the one earlier, but that's what we do, right? Whatever. We're not fancy. All that. Boom. Shout out to YouTube. Anybody thankful? Awesome. All right. So let's watch it together. I'll come back up and share some thoughts afterwards, but let's be hungry to hear from God this morning. Amen? Awesome. It's hard to put into words how unheard of this was. At least in the Bible Belt in America, the way that church happened was in beautiful buildings that were tied to denominations. The idea of someone meeting in an abandoned grocery store, there was no grid for that. And when people would hear, we're starting a non-denominational church and it was gonna be called Antioch, they would look at you at like you were an alien. It would make you pause and think, are we crazy? Like, is this thing actually gonna work thinking like are, are we gonna get paid is anyone actually right. gonna come or is there gonna be anyone that shows up just wondering when the opportunity came um, for us to plant the question was does Waco Texas need another church and the answer was no but Waco Texas needs a church planning church and so we launched out, you know, uh, just with that ambition. What if we actually really lived out the kingdom? What if we really invested in people's lives? And what if we became a church planning church that, again, was built on multiplying everything that we did here and around the world? When we found out that Antioch was going to be planted, I'm not a big risk taker. I'm not always looking for the latest thing. But, man, something jumped inside me. And I knew we are to be part of that. Big things require big faith. Um, and something about it felt like crazy faith. But internally I knew like, we gotta do this and, and I wanna be a part of it. It really was exciting. It really made us family. One time I was talking to Jimmy and I said, what if we put all our eggs in this basket and then it doesn't work? Like this thing goes belly up. I'll never forget, he just looked at me and said, well then we will have known that we gave everything for the purpose of Jesus and others, and I'd rather do that than play it safe. You have to have a desire to become a people. 
identified a family. And we had that in our hearts. We want to walk with these people for the rest of our lives. We want to build these people into people that can change the world. We wanted to do it together and then reproducing that around the world. We did not want to just build another great church. Our hope was that we would really be a part of a move of God. From the really the earliest days, we were a nomadic people in the sense that we were a community of people called together, committed to walking together, um, trying to love each other and love God as best we can, but we didn't really have a physical home. Um, so um, every Sunday, we were rotating different locations around town. I remember walking in um, and feeling so much excitement. It was electric in the room. Um, and it smelled like um, a combination of beer and cigarettes and manure. And yet everyone's eyes were just lit up. Every week, <laughs> was a challenge because there was so much work to do to put everything together. And But I think everybody felt like we, we were planting a church. Really, nobody came to church just to spectate. Right. They walked in know, knowing I have a part. As a kid, it was exciting of, we don't know where we're going to be going to church that week, and we don't know who will be with us and who's going to show up. We had... Uh, sound issues, sound problems, and yet through all of that, when the first chords were strummed, there was just a lift in the room. All of our hands are raised and our eyes are lifted to heaven, and the worship was so real. And it was from that first service I knew. Um, this is crazy and this is ragtag, but this is my family. We knew that God wanted us to have a place that we could call our own, um, a campus to draw people to, to train them, so when we bought the uh, abandoned grocery store cafeteria, it was quite a project. But for, say, 500 people, uh, that was a large amount of money just to sacrificially give to even get planted in the city. While we were raising the money, renovating the building, and moving around town, eventually we were like, hey, why don't we just meet on the parking lot? I loved the parking lot services. It was okay going around to other places, but when we could all gather, bring their lawn chairs, some of the Baylor students would bring the couch. The band was on that flatbed trailer, but uh, it was such a joy to be, you know, uh, putting down roots in this neighborhood. We had a biblical conviction that uh, we didn't want to be going into debt to see this building built or just to operate as a church, period. There was uh, one week where the bills were due. We needed $153,000 in 24 hours. It was a lot of fun uh, seeing uh, kids walk in with their piggy banks to our office across the street um, Monday morning. Um, people sell things, you know, in a short amount of time to bring cash. Um, and in the end, at noon, we had the $153,000. We had a table in the back labeled tithe when we were meeting out on the parking lot before the building was done. And I remember T 
TVs being on there and mink, mink coats. And it was like people were just bringing everything they had instead of just money. Some people didn't have money. I remember the day that finally it was announced, all right, we the city allowed us to get inside this building. And I think I was overwhelmed with the culmination of it in that building. Seeing dreams and visions and things talked about coming true. Also then, little did I know, it was a time we were going to get tested. We were getting to walk into a testing time. All right, let's see what's going to happen now, God. We're driving home from vacation, actually, and it's August 2nd, and we get the phone call. Heather and Dana have been picked up by the Taliban, and immediately I just called uh, back, and I said, call all the life group leaders, set up 24-hour prayer, let's go. That night, I came in with my sleeping bag, and um, man, I uh, yeah, it's just prepared to be up all night, not knowing how long this would last, and uh, the prayer room was filled. Our whole church really did respond. We were meeting all the time to pray and intercede. I ended up going over there thinking I would be gone a week or two and was gone almost exactly 11 weeks. I literally learned to stand on the Word, praying like crazy every day. Whenever people have to rally together uh, to see God come through in an impossible situation, something happens that pulls us together. And we became such a people during that time. So it was really exciting when he, we got the call that, that Dana and Heather had been released and there was going to be a worship service. So we all got in our cars and went to church. It's so exciting and just sweet to see the fruit of all of our prayers answered. Everybody, I knew everybody's going to congregate, you know, here, and such celebration. The worship that happened was all very spontaneous um, because there was no time to prepare for it. We, we didn't even have an hour to figure out what was going on. I remember thinking, God, what's on your heart right now? And him saying, what's on Dana and Heather's heart right now? Here, when I heard him say that, I just started singing, Jesus loves Afghanistan. After being in Islamabad with them and a debriefing, I'm flying back a week later, I'm gonna preach on Sunday morning. And I said, God, what do I speak on after all this has happened? And the Holy Spirit speaks to me, tell the congregation to return to their first love. And I was like, Lord, that sounds like a rebuke, right? And he was like, no, 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 no. Just remind them that we're not the Heather and Dana church. We're not the church that saw the girls in Afghanistan delivered. We're the church who love Jesus, who love others, who love the lost. Call everybody back to simplicity of loving Jesus because I've got more than one mission for this community. I've got a mission for them to change the world and change lives locally, nationally, and internationally. One of the most important parts of our church life here has been that it's been about family. It's not been about the adults, but it's been a place where we could pull our kids in and, and let them be a part of this vision too. This led us to taking our family and three other families to Haiti, eight adults and 16 kids. And it was very much a place where the kids had their part. And I really, this was a foundation for them learning to share the gospel and, and love the lost and, and see the hurting and broken of the world. Yeah, the kids really took ownership of the process. They were in the dramas, they were in the dances, 
and it was just really fun to watch them seeing this not just the adults that are the ministers but they were able to be part of the ministry to the people of Haiti. It made me go back to school and watch what a classic sixth or seventh grader was worrying about and it helped me realize there's more to life than this. There are people out there that generally don't have a meal to eat. They don't have shoes. They don't own anything. It marked all of us. I just remember coming back and thinking, I can never be the same. When the tsunami hit, um, just so many people in our congregation and our leaders were like, we've got to do something. We can't just watch this on TV. I was actually on a hunting trip with my friend Robert Herber, who told me about the massive destruction that had hit. He looked at me and said, how can we not go? We got to go. Our church had mobilized literally within minutes to get emergency aid and supplies and uh, medical personnel, college students. And immediately we were able, able to bring counseling helps and medical helps, and then just started doing the work of trying to get a village started there. So our first wave we took um, was a medical team because that was the highest need and went in and just hit the ground doing whatever we could. And it was amazing because we literally were able to build a village and we had long-term teams that stayed there for several years, just really seeing the people get back on their feet. When I think about being ready for crisis, I think about all the decisions we make along the way. Uh, when we go on these short-term trips, the spring breaks, or when we take families to Haiti, those uh, small trips prepare us for the big things that God's gonna do in and through our lives. And so as a community, we've always made, made these short-term trips available so that when the big things happen, the Sri Lankas of the world or a, a refugee crisis in Europe or whatever it is that comes our way, we've got a prepared people. Right when we came to Sri Lanka, um, uh, outreach was going on and so many people were going to Indonesia and to different parts of the world. And it was just reach the world, reach the world, reach the world. But at the same time, I was hearing about like these college students let this homeless guy live on their couch. And I was seeing people was getting their family members to come and be a part of the Grace House and the Mercy House. And wow, it was just this beautiful mixture of reaching the world, but we were also reaching our city. You know, I wanted to see uh, not just one type of person or not just one type of ministry, but every type of person and every type of expression and every type of gifting all mixed together. And that's definitely what was happening. Life for a long time was very dark of drugs and chaos and brokenness and pain. Um, I had gotten to a point where I was so broken that I had cried out to God and asked him for his help. The next day, <laughs> an answered prayer, I was given the opportunity to go to jail. <laughs> when I was going to get released, um, there was a pastor there. He had asked me, he said, Jason, um, when you get back home, do you got a church you're going to go to? I was high one day. Um, I came across this house on a Halloween outreach, and I remember when I came up to his house, this guy came and talked to me, and he prayed for me, and he told me he was from Antioch, and so uh, he invited me to come, but I never went. Fast forward two years, here I am about to get released. When I'm trying to think about a church I'm gonna go to, I remember Antioch. Didn't know what to expect, you know? I wasn't I wasn't a churchgoer. Um, I started looking around for somewhere to sit, and um, I'm with my son, and that's when I saw this family kinda 
motion and wave over to me and ask me if I wanted to sit with them. Afterwards, Jim and Amy said, hey, well, we got this group that's meeting tonight. It's called Life Group, and we'd love for you to come. Like I said, sure, I'd, I'd love to come, but I, I don't have a car. And they said, hey, we'll, we'll come and pick you up. And Jim and Amy started to come pick me up and take me back to this life group. As we started to see our lives get restored, and we were involved in a, in a life group, and we became members of the church, and we had people just really come around us and really love us and really just walk with us. You know, we were very strategic when we planted the church in this neighborhood. Addiction is a big problem in all communities, and it was very much a, a problem in our community here. So we opened the Mercy House, which is amazing, and then we have Grace House, which has been operating for 10 years, and they've seen many women just recover their lives, be restored to their families, I heard about Mercy House, which is um, the men's recovery home that we have in Antioch. We started to have the guys that were in the program come over to our house on Sunday night for dinner. And then I started to go over there and do Bible studies and, and start, you know, walking with some of the guys. And a few years later, I was invited to join the staff over there. One of the biggest needs that we saw in our community was through our school district here, Waco Independent School District, and some studies came out that showed that if a student could get on reading grade level by grade three, then the trajectory of them being able to graduate from high school to get out of poverty is incredibly high. And so we started STARS Mentoring Project with using volunteers from our congregation just to go read 30 minutes a week, and it would get the students on grade level. So now we are in 13 schools, and we have hundreds of volunteers reading with the students, and we expect it to make a tremendous difference. From the beginning, we've had this promise out of Isaiah 54, 2 and 3, that we would go deep and wide and spread out to the nations of the earth. And as we got to capacity here in our building, and actually we're at four services and everything was packed out, we knew that God was saying it's time to expand. God was speaking, move forward, put a stake in the ground, because I have something deep and wide that I want to do in and through this people. Before we moved forward with that, we really wanted to make sure the congregation got to speak into that. So as we met in groups uh, and received feedback from people, really what surfaced from that time is not fear about the price tag or concern over the look of the building. What they were the most concerned about was the arch. While the arch was just an architectural structure that held the sign for the grocery store that was here before us, it had become a promise to us, just like he had put a rainbow over the people in the past in the Bible, and there was a place of protection, and they would start a new world, that for us, this arch would be a gateway to the nations. When we started construction on the new building, we had amazing engineers literally take it up off the roof and put it on the front of the property. So now actually what you walk through today, what we walk through today is the actual arch that was on top. You know, it really became for us a symbol of God's promises that God was going to do something in Waco that was going to be sent to the nations. And we're seeing that from the beautiful people of our Spanish ministry, to the international students that come to Waco, Texas, to the people who leave our doors and go out to the nations every single summer to reach people around the world. We're seeing that a gateway to the nations is happening. Ultimately, nobody gets the credit for Antioch Community Church but Jesus because there's so many people who've risked everything to see this church be what it's called to be. I love the fact that um, here at Antioch, you don't have to be any certain whatever. Just use what you have and bring that to the table. And we're reaching just the, the local community with the little that we each have. Mm -hmm.
He's worthy of our lives, whether we're qualified or not. And my prayer is that our generation would know you don't have to be perfectly qualified. You don't have to have everything put together before you see God move. I've watched so much change over the these last years. The faces have changed, the style of music has changed, the building has changed, but I think that simple yes to God is the thing that has remained the same. You don't have to be some superstar Christian to be a part of what God's doing here, that he really has a call in each of our lives to just take that next yes. We've always had a big vision. He's called us to reach our city and our neighbors and our friends. He's called us to reach our nation by planting churches that the glory of God may be seen in every state and every location in our nation. He's called us to the nations, those who've never heard. We partnered with him and he has done incredible things. But as we sought God the last couple of years, God, what's the next hill? He said, prepare to reach a billion people. But it's never been about the numbers. It's been about family the Antioch family, the people of God, never perfect, but always surrendering, never knowing maybe what the next step is, but always saying yes, because our yes is what creates the grace of God for that next adventure that he has us on. Whether you've been with us from the beginning or you just walked in the room, we're inviting you to join us to say yes again to all that God has for us, because he's called us to be a people who have a passion for Jesus and his purposes in the earth. encouraging to anybody else in the room. It's amazing what God can do with a simple yes. So encouraged. And that's us. That's, that's not just Antioch Waco's story. That's our story. That's our story as a part of this family. And, and if you've been around, you know it's our story in so many similar ways. As I watched that video, there were uh, so many things that I was like, wow, I feel like we did that exact same thing, I guess just 20 years later. So many, uh, as I look back over the last couple of years, big steps of faith, uh, crazy building stories like they, they had. We have so many of our own uh, church smelling like drugs and alcohol. Been there, done that. <laughs> and uh, just a lot, of, a lot of nostalgic feelings. And I remember as we were being, we were considering moving back here to Indianapolis to start this church. I remember asking God the same exact question that Jimmy talked about in that video that he asked God before they started Antioch Waco. And the question was, does Indianapolis really need another church? God, does, does Indianapolis really need another church? Uh, and the answer seemed really clear, just like for Waco, for Indianapolis, the answer was no. <laughs> so many good churches in town. I, I know so many of them. I know their leaders there. I, I know all of that. But still, it seemed like the Lord was inviting us to do something, come back here and start a church. So for, for months, we were wrestling with, with that and with ourselves and maybe even just wrestling with the Lord in so many ways. Lord, what are then why? If, 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 if any doesn't need another church, then why would we go start another church? What is it that you're calling us to? And I remember when the Lord spoke the vision of our church to, to our heart, preach the gospel of the kingdom and make others great. That's what I'm calling you to. And the truth is, I remember in that moment when that happened, coming out to, to Heather, we were in our house in College Station, Texas, and this has happened like maybe one other time in my life, just come, come running out the, the room like, Heather, God just said something that's going to change my life. 
and change our lives. And, and the truth is that, that that word that God gave us, it, I knew it was for me. It was for us. It was for our family. And so we just figured, well, if that's what God's calling us to, we're called to start a church. It must be what our church is called to as well. Preach the gospel of the kingdom and make others great. A vision that has nothing to do with some little church that we could ever start. It has everything to do with Jesus and his purposes in the earth. And I thought, you know, I honestly can't give my life to go start another church but I can give my life to preach the gospel of the kingdom and make others great and see what God can do with that. So Lord, we're in. We're in and we'll do it. We're all looking for a calling. We're all looking for a calling in our lives, something to get called up to, something to get called into. We're all looking for a vision to live for in our lives. And as a church, we're not just called to be a nice organization that meets in Indianapolis and has Sunday morning meetings. We are a people who are made for more than just to follow our dreams or, or do what feels right. We are called for more than that. You are made for more than the bill of goods that you are being sold in the life that you live for. You are called to preach the gospel of the kingdom and to make others great. As a follower of Jesus, that's what you're made for. And as a human, that's what you're made for. And that's who we are as a church. And I just want to talk for briefly for a couple of minutes. What does this mean? What does this mean for us and why do we say this? Because it's staying on the wall. We're going to keep talking about it. So let's be on the same page about what we're talking about. Because again, as we grow and whatever God does with whatever happens, it's not about few things happening. It's about staying unified in our vision that's going to keep us family as we go. Preach the gospel of the kingdom. Preach the gospel of the kingdom. What does that mean? In Mark chapter 1, you can turn there if you want. You can also put your finger in Luke 22. We're going to turn there in just a second. But in Mark chapter 1, we're getting Mark's account of Jesus' life. And we're getting the very beginning. Jesus uh, is baptized. He's led out into the desert to be tempted by the devil. And he comes back into town in Galilee. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, it says, Now after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. This word gospel just means good news. Contrary to popular belief sometimes, or contrary to what I always thought it being in church, is that uh, Jesus did not simply come to earth preaching the good news that he was going to die and forgive us of our sins. Or the good news that he was a good guy. Both of those things are true. But that's not the whole thing. Jesus came preaching about a kingdom. He's a pre uh, he said, repent and believe in the gospel. The kingdom of God is at hand. And in this kingdom that Jesus came to reveal to you and reveal to me, Yes, our sins are forgiven by his death and his resurrection, absolutely, but there is so much more. Jesus came proclaiming this good news that we can experience and live in the rule and reign of God in every day in every area of our life. He came to proclaim the restoration of relationship with God for all of humanity. He came to proclaim the good news that therefore we now have restoration to our purpose, to the vision, to the calling to that we were made for. We have the ability to live the fulfilled life that God created us to live. That's the good news of this kingdom that Jesus came to preach. And we're all called to proclaim this good news. We're all called to preach this gospel. When we say a word like preach the gospel, we immediately go into church mode, you know, like pastors with a microphone on a stage and all of that kind of stuff. But you are a preacher. You are a preacher and your life is preaching something. Everybody's a preacher and everybody's preaching something. 
Everyone has a message they're trying to convey, a perspective that they are trying to promote, news they are trying to spread. You can look at kind of the Billboard Top 100 right now and see who our favorite preachers are and what their sermons are that we love so much. You can scan through social media to see what influencers are having, what influence to know, what preacher we love so much and what message we love so dearly. Everybody's preaching. You can look at who you respect, who I respect, philosophies we follow, perspectives that we understand, things that we practice, and you will see what we believe is preaching to us good news that we want to receive. Everybody's a preacher and everybody's preaching something. We're all preachers and we all have our pulpits, our relationships, our spheres of influence, our social media profiles, your friendship, your neighborhood, your co-workers, your family. Your dinner table. You are a preacher and you have a pulpit. And Jesus has called you and he has equipped you today by his spirit to live a life that proclaims and demonstrates the good news of the kingdom of God. Doesn't always mean talking about Jesus every second of every day and that whole sort of thing. I'm just trying to say that you have permission to believe the good news of God today. You have permission to be an example of purity in your world. You have permission to carry faith when no one else will carry faith. You have permission to not give in to fear when everybody else is trying to get you to. You are allowed to make the right choice when nobody else will. You are allowed to live a life full of purpose when everybody wants you to settle for something less. You are allowed to be somebody who believes and proclaims the good news that Jesus is alive. And the kingdom of God is for you in your life right here, right now. You are allowed and you are called to preach this good news of the kingdom. Preach the gospel of the kingdom and make others great. Flip over to Luke 22. In Luke 22, this is Luke's account of Jesus' life. Mark 1 is the beginning. Luke 22 is pretty much the end of Jesus' life. He's having dinner with his friends for the last time before he's crucified. And they get into an argument about which one of them is the, is the best. Which one is the greatest? And I can imagine Jesus being very discouraged, knowing he spent three years with these guys. He's about to be crucified, and they've missed the whole point. And they're the ones he's going to entrust with this gospel of the kingdom. And they're talking about, arguing about which one of us is the greatest. In Luke 22, verse 24, it says this, through 30. A dispute also arose among them as to which one of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. I want you to underline that part. Not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest, and the leader as one who serves. For who is greater, the one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are of those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you as my Father assigned to me a kingdom. There it is again. A kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. They're having an argument about who's the greatest, and Jesus steps in. He says, we need to course correct quickly. He says, guys, you're missing the whole point. He says, everybody in the world that you live in, they're looking for authority. They're looking for greatness. And when they get it, they leverage it against everybody else. But this is not how you're going to do it. This is not how you are going to do it. You are going to do it a different way. And he says this. He tells this story. He says, Who, who's the greatest among you? And he tells this illustration. Imagine you're at a party and there's somebody sitting at the table and there's somebody standing up and serving. Who's the, who's the bigger one? 
And if you've ever read much of Jesus' life, you probably expect Jesus to flip what you know is the right answer, but it's actually the wrong answer because it's serving. You're like, yeah, okay, the, great, the one standing. I know the one at the table is greater, but really it's probably the one who serves, right? That's what I expect Jesus to say. But actually he says something radically different. And it would, I feel like it would kind of be like heretical if Jesus didn't say it. Who's greater, the one sitting down or the one standing up? And they're like, well, okay, probably the one standing up serving, right? And he says, no, 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 the greater one is the one sitting at the table. Like, well, okay, I thought so, but. He says, but I am among you as one who serves. This is the summation of Jesus' life and ministry. That God, when he took on flesh and bone, did not leverage his universal, eternal greatness against those who were called to love him, but he leveraged it for their greatness. He says, the one at the table is greater, but I, God in flesh and bone, come as one who serves. I don't even switch which one's greater, I just come as the lesser. In every environment, I come to serve. I come to serve. And he gives them this, this illustration, that's how you do it. That's not how anybody else does it, but, but that's how you do it. It's amazing to hear Jesus talk about that this is what he did. It's amazing enough that this is what Jesus did. But what makes it land in our lives is understanding why Jesus did it. Not just what he did, but why did he do it? In the next few verses in 28 and 30, it says, you are those who have stayed with me in my trials. I assign to you as my father assigned to me a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. There's a lot here and there's plenty of it I don't understand. Like it starts talking about these 12 tribes and judging and all that kind of, I'm like, whoa. I don't get all that. There's a lot there. But there's something I do get. In verse 24, when we started this, a dispute also arose among them. What we pick up is an argument among fishermen, right? That's how these guys started. Fishermen, nobody, some tax collectors, a little bit of everybody, a little bit of a hodgepodge. And these fishermen, they're having an argument amongst fishermen. But all of a sudden, Jesus starts talking about kings and kingdoms and all these sort of things. So we pick up an argument of, among fishermen in verse 24. But in verse 25, Jesus starts talking about kings, okay? The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship. Okay, fishermen, now kings. Why is, he, why is Jesus trying to teach fishermen a lesson with kings? It doesn't make any sense to me. Jesus has been talking about what they need to do, but in verse 29, he talks about who they are. He talks about not just what they need to do, but who they are. I assigned to you as my father assigned to me a kingdom. That in my kingdom, you may eat and drink at my table. See, they thought that they were fishermen sitting at a table with a carpenter. But Jesus shows them that they're kings sitting at a table with the king of kings. Jesus is changing who they are. And he's saying, guys, I, I don't need, you, you can't just go do what I'm asking you to do. You can't just go do what I do. You need to know who you are if you want to do what I'm calling you to do. It's not about hating yourself and just being the nobody and false humility and all that sort of, it has nothing to do with that. It, it's true humility. What he's trying to say is that when you know who you are in the kingdom of God, you don't have any reason to fight to become somebody on earth. The Bible says that we are co-heirs to the kingdom of God with Christ. The Bible says that the kings of today lord their greatness over others, but Jesus says not so with you. He says you have nothing left to earn. 
You have nothing left to earn. Therefore, you're free to leverage the greatness you have by grace for everybody else around you. You live in a world where it's normal to leverage other people to create greatness for yourself. But it's not so with you. Nothing could ever add to the greatness that you have been given by grace. So you're free. You're free. You're free to just live your life making everybody else great. See, this is who we're called to be. We're called to be a people who proclaim this good news. This good news of the kingdom of God coming to earth as it is in heaven, coming through your life. The will of God being done. We are, we are called to proclaim that and demonstrate it. And if we can do it with a heart that has nothing to do about making ourselves great, nothing to do with earning anything, nothing to do with leveraging anybody else for anything we could ever need because we're free by the grace of God, what could God do with a people like that? wants to stand as we close this morning. This is who we are. This is who you are called to be. Somebody who preaches the gospel of the kingdom and does it with a heart to make others great. If you've been with us for any length of time, I think this has been fun. It's fun seeing any Aquaco story. It's fun hearing the stories of what God has done through the nations of the earth, through all of history, but I am just somebody who believes we haven't seen anything yet. I'm somebody who believes God's just getting started. That there's more ahead for the people of God. There's more ahead for the individual and the people together who will say, yes, Lord, let your kingdom come in our life. We'll do it to see other people made great. There is more. And my question for you this morning is, what are you living for? What are you living for? Who are you living for? We, as we worship, I just want to have a moment where you can have your time to say, God, I'm in again. You might be here and you've been following Jesus for a while and I don't know about you, but I seem to always need to sign up again. <laughs> Lord, I'm in again. <laughs> that part where he says, repent and believe. I believe, but I still need to believe. <laughs> and so Lord, Holy Spirit, would you come? Show me anything I need to turn from so I can be a part of what you're doing. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus. Now's the time. Now's the time. There's no need to wait. You don't have to wait. You can have new life by the power and the grace of Jesus this morning. You can turn to him and be made completely new. We're going to have our prayer team come up to the front, as we always do. Just if you need prayer in your life for anything, if you need somebody to come up with you, grab a friend, whatever it is. We believe in the power of God in the last four minutes of church. He does miracles. He calls us forward. You might be here this morning, you're just like, I, got, I, just, need to, I just need to surrender my life. You might need to just come up to the front. You might need to stay where you are. I don't care. Do what God's calling you to do. Because you have something to respond to right now. This invitation into what God is doing, not just in your life, but in the great big story of God. Let's pray and let's worship and let's respond this morning. Jesus, we love you and we invite you, Holy Spirit. God, I'm asking right now for me and for every one of us in here, I pray that you'd, you'd tug on our hearts so hard we can't say no. Whatever the next step is, Lord, whether it's somebody who's never given their life to you or it's something to repent of, it's something to believe in again, Lord, we just commit and we're in again, Lord, to be a people who preach the gospel of the kingdom and we do it with a heart to make others great. So as you lead us in this moment, Holy Spirit, we love you in Jesus' name.